0: Welcome to
1: the Power of Young People to Change the World. Happy Thursday. I'm your host, Amy Mewers. Um, and I'm here on Voice of America Empowerment Radio each week, where we explore how young people are using their ideas, creativity, and passion to shape a better world, and how educators across the globe are utilizing the power of service learning to redesign education. You know, service learning is one of the most meaningful educational strategies um, that's available to us across the world. Um, It's based on the central tenets of experience and democracy. So John Dewey, um, great educational um, leader, um, spoke about the need for students to experience education. He said, when the school introduces and trains Each child of society into membership within such a little community, saturating him with the spirit of service and providing him with the instruments of effective self-direction, we shall have the deepest and best guarantee of a larger society which is worthy, lovely, and harmonious. I love that part of the quote, a larger society which is worthy, lovely, and harmonious. You know, I personally, I'm really concerned about the role that education plays in the future of not only the world's youth, but also solutions that are needed um, to address all the challenges that we're facing globally. Service learning helps young people develop those skills to address the issues that we're facing. Um, It not only helps them dream of a better future, but to create it. As support for service learning has ebbed and flowed across the U.S., globally, service learning is thriving. Countries around the world understand that engaging young people in their communities as part of their educational experiences creates generations of people with the knowledge, skills, and abilities to address those challenges that we're facing in our global communities you know, my guest today is from an organization who's been supporting the advancement of service learning across Latin America and beyond. They are all over the world. CLICE is a nonprofit civil organization located in Buenos Aires, um, whose mission is to contribute to fostering a fraternal and pro- participatory culture around the world through the Pedagogical Proposal of Service Learning from a Latin American View. So, we're going to dig in and find out what that really means. So, for us at NYLC, though, they've been a longtime partner, and more than that, they're great, true friends. Um, together, the two organizations created the Red Iberoamericano Network that consists of consists of over 90 government agencies, civil society organizations, universities, and regional organizations from not only Latin America, but the Caribbean, the United States, Spain, and Portugal. And I'm so honored to have um, Luz (laughs) Avros. She's good. We've been practicing her last name and, you know. (laughs) We'll, we'll talk about that, too, because she has some experience um, all over the world and how her name is pronounced differently, depending on <laughs> where she is. But Lou supports institutional relations for Kleiss. She's an amazing supporter of service learning and recently led the International Service Learning Conference, where we there were leaders gathered from across the globe, um, and they shared their expertise and their knowledge. So, Lou, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here
2: with me today. Hello, thank you so much for inviting us. We are very happy to be here. I'm very honored for the invitation. So, thanks for for sharing these moments with us.
1: Absolutely. Um, It's my absolute pleasure. And, you know, before we kind of dig into Kleiss and the work that you all are doing, um, I'd like to start out with having you introduce yourself to our listeners. You know, share a little bit more about your background as an educator and how you came to service learning.
2: Well, um, I started when I was a teenager, I, were, I participated in non-formal education uh, groups, and then I continued working as a non-formal education um, leader. And I, always, I was always moved by education. And when I, while I was studying at university, I started teaching English. But then at a certain point, um when when I graduated, I studied uh, management of nonprofit and community organizations, and I always liked volunteering in organizations who promoted youth participation um So I always had these two passions, one related to education and one related to community development and When I found service learning it it suddenly made sense mm-hmm. because it had to do with promoting education and promoting community development and one enriches the other. It's a, a permanent process. So that's where I found my, you know, my, my place. Uh, and that is why I work in service learning because I feel that it makes, it gives sense to education. It makes education worth and a way to transform all the difficulties that we have in the world.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. And um, I appreciate that you have um, the background as a teacher and an English teacher, so um, more English lessons for some of us, (laughs) (laughs) I could use that myself some days. Um, I would love um, for you to talk about the work of Kleiss and what the organization does, kind of who it serves
2: Mm -hmm. Well, CLIS stands for Latin American Center for Solidarity Service Learning. Uh, We are based in Buenos Aires in Argentina, as you mentioned before, Um, and we were founded as a Latin American organization with a particular perspective of service learning. Um, Service learning has to do with projects that are developed by students, with the protagonism of students, projects that are developed with the with the surrounding communities, and projects in which um, the the academics the content the academic content is involved. In our case, that's that's the, like a general definition of service learning. In Latin America, we have a particular perspective of that that has to do with solidarity. We call it solidarity service learning because we understand that this service that students provide when developing a service learning project has to be a horizontal one. That is, they need to be projects from our point of view in which all parts involved take something, that is, The community is enriched or improved in some way. The students learn something and are able to offer something, but also take something from the process. The teachers, same thing. Same thing with the educational institutions. So we added this question of solidarity because we understand that it's a particular way in which service learning is developed in Latin America. Our vision as an institution is to move uh, forward to shape fraternal societies whose educational systems and social organizations contribute to a well-rounded education of an active solidarity and engaged citizenship regarding the care of others. Um, We work mostly with teachers in all levels of education and youth leaders as well as with uh, public officers and stakeholders who have a voice in shaping education. Um, And we do different things to raise awareness. I would say that would be the first um, point, to raise awareness as to this responsibility that we all have from our place in, in living in a better world. What you said at the beginning, uh, this quote that you made from Dewey, um, this this world in which we want to live in, this fraternal world, this harmonious world, where it, it is at some point each one of us' uh, responsibility to create that world, to transform the world that we have into that world. And we understand that service learning, solidarity service learning, is an excellent uh means to get there.
1: Absolutely, and I I, I love the word solidarity. I think um, here in the US, sometimes we talk about critical service learning and some other terms, but I think solidarity captures it so beautifully. There's a give and a take, like you said, everyone mm-hmm. is learning and giving. Um, it, it also thinks-
2: has to do with uh, providing the, the etymological, um root, some say that has to do with um, I'm not sure if this word exists in English, you tell me <laughs> but with creating <laughs> solid solidness that, that is being there to make the situation or or, or something solid for someone else does solid mm-hmm. exist? am I right in that? No not quite in that Some, context. something but- solid is something strong, something. Um, yeah, I would say strong, strong. Um, that mm-hmm. that provides a support to someone else, but not support as in help, but but support as in being there so that someone else may use it as a starting point for something else.
1: And for me, I often um, when I think about service learning, I often think of the idea of servant leadership, and I think that that connects really well. With solidarity, too, right? Like being that support for others, Mm -hmm. um, not serving others, but supporting others so that they can grow and succeed. So, absolutely. So, I, yeah, I absolutely believe that that is a wonderful addition to this, just the term service learning. Um, Can you share kind of a little bit about how service learning became the foundation for Kleiss's work? Like, sure. how did that kind of come about?
2: Well, uh, CLAIS was founded to promote service learning. I mean, it's uh, that's the reason why we exist as an organization. CLAIS founder and director, Professor Nieves Tapia, uh, she worked at the national and local ministries of education for several years here in Argentina. Um, and that's how she arrived at the concept of service learning. She was able to incorporate it into the national regulations. Uh, And when her job uh, in that context ended, she and some of her collaborators decided that this question of service learning needed to be strengthened and further regionally. So the tool that they had available to do that was uh, through a nonprofit and um, they had some type of vision. And even though they were all here in Buenos Aires in my city, they decided to become a Latin American initiative, um, which finally actually became it became Latin American and well even beyond, as you said. Before we are now working um, in in every continent. I would say um, the vision has to do well as I mentioned before. The vision has to do with uh, creating a world that is harmonious and uh, livable and an experience of growth for everyone. Um, and we understand that service learning is the best means to get there. It allows everyone to be involved, not only adults, not only youth, not only um, people in urban areas, not only people in rural areas, not only little children, not only anyone or everyone. I mean, people with different disabilities, people from different Uh, origins or backgrounds, everyone uh, is an excellent uh, promoter of service learning because service learning has to do with using or putting in value what you learn, what you know, toward others. And we all know. We all know different things. We all need to learn other things. So, Service learning is a way of putting all these things that we all know together to improve everyone's community, to improve everyone's context. Wonderful.
1: We do have to take a quick break, um, but then when we come back, we're going to dive into some of the work that you guys are doing around the world. So stay with us on The Power of Young People to Change the World, Voice of American Prominent Radio. We'll be right back.
0: Lc.org to learn more today. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You are listening to the power of young people to change the world with Amy Muir's to find out more about Amy and the national youth leadership council. Please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back,
1: everyone. If you're just joining us, I'm here with Luce Avruch, the Institutional Relations for CLEIS, um, which is an international nonprofit that's dedicated to a, the advancement of service learning around the globe. And so we're really digging into service learning today. Um, Luce, I was hoping um, you could share some specific projects that you've worked on throughout the years or ones that you've heard about that have really stood out to you.
2: Sure. Um, well, we work with um, educational institutions in all levels. That is, from little kids in, in kindergarten to uh, students in higher education, to youth organizations. So we've seen thousands and thousands of projects developed in, in different countries in different areas. One of the ones that I wanted to share with you in these days that uh, in which so much is being said about climate change and um, what's our role as you know citizens and, and like isolated people in a way. There's one project that I like very much that has been developing in Patagonia, in the south of my country. Um, it's a school that uh, works with children from three or four years old all the way to high school. The school is located within a national park And at this national park for many years, uh, they have had intentional fires. This is a terrible situation because the the forests, the trees that get burned are centennial. They are, there are trees that are maybe 200 years old or a hundred years old. So some years ago, maybe 15 or 20 years uh, ago, a little girl at the school asked one of their teachers uh, how this could be solved. What could they do to change this situation? And her teachers realized that even though they couldn't do everything, they could do something. So the first thing that they did was go with the kids to the forests to collect seeds, to find which seeds were for which trees, to uh, research on, how these trees grew, they have a like a motto that says the only tree that does not grow is the tree that you do not plant. So even though they are trees that take decades to grow, they only start growing when you plant them. And what's that's what they do. So they collected seeds, they planted them, they researched how to make them grow, they helped them grow. And once these trees have a certain height, they plant them back in the forest. They have been doing this for a couple of decades. They have been reforesting the national park, the forests. And again, even though the trees are not that uh, high yet, they are quite high already. And the students who live in that area are not only planting and recovering the forests, they are helping recover the animals and the birds and the insects that live in the forest because they are reforesting. And they are also becoming part of this forest because what they always say is, of course, children who have been doing this when they were kids, they will be the biggest uh, promoters or or carers for their forests when they grow. So they have been looking after these babies in a way, Mm -hmm. these baby trees. For their whole lives the tasks that they do are very different when they are four or five and when they are 15 or 16 of course but in the whole process they have things to learn they may apply what they learn at school be it science be it math be it communication and language uh, all types of of uh, lessons can be applied in this kind of project they have they, they got a lot of recognition for this project from the ministry of education from local organizations and in these last few years uh, they have been teaching others how to generate projects of this type in in other towns around them and in other parts of the of the country during the pandemic it's interesting because uh the kids were not going to school school for some time. So, they started making tutorials on YouTube on how to care for a tree, on how to identify one seed or another. That is, again, the motivation was there, the need to communicate, the need to put their knowledge into practice. So, they found a way. And young people
1: do, right? They always find a way. I love that like the entire school has adopted from from the littlest ones all the way up through high school yeah. and it's global citizenship right like it it social responsibility that's like part of how they're educated they take that with them wherever they go whatever they do they're like you said they're going to remember to think about their impact and how they're supporting their forests and and the world around them. So, what an amazing Absolutely. project.
2: It's, it's also a question of, uh, again, feeling responsible for that forest, mm-hmm. for that uh, city, for that area. This is a part of me. My city is a part of me, so I'm responsible to take care for it and to improve it in the, in the situations that it needs to be improved. It is my responsibility. It is my group's responsibility. And if things are not going the way they should, then I need to advocate. I need to tell someone that this is not working. And we always say at at CLIS that um, civic education cannot be learned only by reading the constitution. Of course, it's fundamental to know your constitution. Of course, it's important to know the regulations, but civic education is something that you do, not something that you read. Only. So, service learning is a a way of learning civic education by doing and by incorporating the community as part of who you are, and incorporating that responsibility and that sense of justice as part of what you need to do as a person, as a citizen. Not one more responsibility, something that your mother tells you to do, (laughs) something that is yours. Something that you should do because it's a part of, uh, I mean, when you learn math or when you learn geography or when you learn language, this is part of what math needs to be used for. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly.
1: How does Clay support service learning, not only in Latin America, but around the globe? Can you talk a little bit about some of the networks and things that, mm-hmm. um, that you guys offer for supporting service learning?
2: Sure. Um, we, we work at different levels. Uh, on the one hand, we offer uh, support to institutions, to educational institutions, who are developing this kind of projects or willing to to develop this kind of projects. Um, We train teachers, we uh, publish books on these topics, we do research on these topics, that's one level. Then there's another level in which we uh, promote these questions with authorities uh, and and, um, ministries of education and national and local and regional organizations to create national and regional networks uh, because we understand that the same that a service learning project does on the territory that is connect different organizations in the community working together toward the improvement of a certain situation. The same happens at a bigger level let's say then we need to know what other organizations are working in improving the community what other organizations are willing and working to improve education to to improve the quality of democracies in their places Um, so the first thing that we do is research and see who else is working in that area um We try to see what is already happening in each region and start from there with them. We start seeing um, what can be done, what has been done, what we can offer and add to that. Uh, It is some, I mean, it's a way of doing advocacy, but we understand that through networks, it's more sustained in time. It allows us, it gives us more power, more strength, uh, and it allows us to sustain this over time. Absolutely, and I really appreciate um, our
1: participation and YLC's participation and support of the Ibero-Americana network. Um, I learned so much um, when I participate in those meetings, um, hearing what's happening and knowing that others are doing this work. So it's not only gaining that knowledge and hearing what others are doing, but also being connected with others because service learning isn't easy. Like it's not an easy pedagogy, um, but it's a powerful one. Mm-hmm. And so um, coming together and having those connections and feeling supported is I think a, a kind of an unspoken benefit of like what CLEIS brings to all of us. So
0: um, I just
1: wanna thank you guys for, for doing that.
2: Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. It's something that we all build together. Um, we all learn from each other. It's not something that we invent, but something that we create together. So, thank you.
1: Absolutely. So, we do have to take um, another quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation, digging into service learning um, in Latin America and abroad. So, stay with me, Amy Muirs on the Power of Young People to Change the World. Voice America Empowerment Radio. We'll be right back.
0: Visit nylc.org to learn more today. Things Worth Considering, featuring host Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis, is a program that's all about connections. The connections we make with our families, our workplaces, friends, and others around us. It's also about connections to ourself, spirit, feelings, and stories. Let us connect with you each week to explore who we are and what we can be moving forward. We can overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Things Worth Considering airs live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muir's. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone.
1: Um, Before the break, um, Luz was talking about the work that Kleist is doing to support service learning through um, the networks that that they um, support across the globe. And I participated recently in the Ibero-Americano Network meeting. And one of the focus areas was on the pandemic and how that has impacted how we do service learning. So Luz, I'm wondering if you could share more about um, what is being done differently so that young people can still engage in service learning. What are you hearing from your networks about how they're changing what they do and how they do it um, because of the pandemic?
2: Well, Uh, When the pandemic started, we were wondering what would happen. Um, Suddenly, we all needed to stay at home. um, And we were wondering whether, I mean, what would happen with service learning? But the truth is, we then realized that needs were still there and even worsened. I mean, poverty was still there. Isolation was still there. Climate change was still there. Mm -hmm. Um, And... (laughs) Even worse, we now also had, I mean, all the health conditions were uh, worsening. So what happened when we started paying attention to what uh, educational institutions of different levels around the world were doing, we we realized that timidly first, but very strongly as weeks passed, I would say all the institutions was, uh service learning was institutionalized that is the institutions who had been working in service learning for some time and were organized they were they, um, they already had like an exercise of getting organized and of being able to respond to needs it was quite amazing to see how those institutions who had a practice of responding to a particular need when it appeared, they were able to reorganize very quickly and to go do something. At times, they would do it online uh, when, when, for example, for smaller children who were not able to go out uh, at first. At times, hybrid models appeared. I mean, even though online and hybrid models existed before the pandemic, uh, uh, service learning models, I mean, they they weren't seen as much as on-site projects. During the pandemic, these two models uh, appeared very strongly. Many, many schools and universities started developing service learning projects online. And in hybrid modes, hybrid I mean with the lessons being online and the service being on-site or the other way around or some parts of the project on-site and some online, Um, Many other projects kept on being uh, on site. I mean, there are many projects that are being developed in open spaces or who uh, respond to needs related to health issues or to um, food or these kind of things. And these kinds of things need to be, um, I mean, need, to continue uh, being addressed. So these things are still happening. Um, Many, many, many projects kind of transformed, I mean, uh, adapted to this new situation and many other projects appeared. That is they were created during the pandemic. Projects, actually some of them related to addressing needs that came with the pandemic uh, like creating masks or mm-hmm. or um, uh, paying somehow attention to people who lived alone or um, the elderly or these kind of situations or people uh, in hospitals. But also all that has to do with um, stores who were not able to sell as much because people were not on the streets. um It's amazing how again, these institutions who were, I mean, who found that their role was clearly to serve their communities, to work with their communities, to be there for their communities, they were able to respond quite quickly. And many others who maybe didn't do it as often before, for some of them the pandemic was like a wake up call in a way and they they realized that it was their uh, job also to do something in this context
1: absolutely and i know we've seen um here in the states we've seen young people responding um to like you said issues that were created because of the pandemic or heightened because of the pandemic um so yeah uh letter writing and connections to the elderly or those who are homebound, um, mental health has been a real um issue area that I know young people are very passionate about. And yeah, there's so many, nothing stopped, you know, the the issues around the the global issues did not go away because of the pandemic. Many Mm -hmm. were just even heightened. So it is amazing to see how young people and educators alike, along with community partners, really pivoted in order to continue to engage young people as solutions. Um, Which leads me to the International Service Learning Conference, which was amazing to participate in. Can you tell us about the event, kind of who attended, um, what did the attendees experience?
2: Well, um, this was our 24th International Service Learning Conference. This is a conference that we hold every year. Um, We've been doing this for over 20 years. And last year, for the first time, it was uh, fully online. This was this year, it was the second year in which we did it online. Um, well, because just like all the educational institutions and all the students that we mentioned before, we had to adapt also. And well, it was a great opportunity in a way, because the fact that nobody needed to, to travel to be able to be here, Uh, offered us the surprise to have people from 63 countries participating from all over the globe. Um, We had around 3000 registered educators from well, from all these countries. Um, It was very interesting because we, in general, we tried to offer both theoretical presentations by specialists from all around the world And also teachers and students and community partners from all over the world sharing their own experiences, describing the projects that they have been developing, the results, the reflections, the lessons learned, and teaching others who are willing to start. This uh, strengthens this learning community that we believe in, this networking that we were talking about before. So it's not I mean, we try to be coherent with what we promote. We understand that there's a lot of learning to do in books and that there's also a lot of learning to do with the community in the the field. So somehow we try to um, show this in this conference by learning both from specialists and from those who are doing this on site. We ask each other, we tell each other how we have um, solved certain situations. And it's truly, I mean, it, it was truly emotional to see someone from, you know, from Australia telling someone from Angola how to solve something and someone from Mexico or Bolivia giving some advice. Um, it's truly wonderful to see all these motivated teachers, all these motivated students, all these motivated community partners changing their world, changing the way things are done um, and creating a better world for all of us. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. It was, a, it was an amazing event. I'm wondering if there were any like takeaways or lessons learned um, that you heard or experienced that you would share with us.
2: Sure, Um, I think that one of the biggest lessons that we've been learning and that that the conference showed um, has to do with what I said before, that we can all teach and we can all learn, no matter where we are, no matter how old we are, no matter how, I mean, if we are in kindergarten or if we have gone to university, we all have things to teach and we all have things to learn. So we need to communicate, we need to listen deeply to each other um, and be open to learning from each other. The needs are still there and we still have the possibility to to transform them, to learn in the process. Um, Together with all the, the undoubtful damage that the pandemic has been doing, the creativity of educators and youth around the world has still been learning from this and using this as an opportunity for development. I think that that resilience, that flexibility, is something to be uh, humbled by and Mm -hmm. and strengthened from. Absolutely. And,
1: yeah, I would just, I will underscore that creativity of the youth and the educators around the world, right? Like, we need them responding, Mm -hmm. um, not only to the pandemic, but, yeah, that, um, you're absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I wonder. So, can people still access the conference if if they're just hearing about it now and want to uh, want to uh, learn from those who are in attendance?
2: Would they be able to access it? Yes, absolutely. Um, in our YouTube channel, it's uh, Clays Digital, but it's C L A Y S S. D-I-G-I-T-A-L, Gleis Digital, that's the name of our YouTube channel. There you will find, you you have access to all the the plenary sessions and some of the um, uh, concurrent sessions. And you even have uh, access to sessions from previous years. It's truly uh, an honor to listen to these wonderful educators, these wonderful students, from all around the world, using what they know and what they've learned to improve what's wrong. It's truly humbling. So I I strongly recommend that you have a look at that.
1: So just again, that's Kleist Digital, C-L-A-Y-S-S-D-I-G-I-T-A-L on YouTube. So go ahead and check that out, everybody. We do have to take one last short break. And then when we come back, we're going to wrap up our conversation with Luz. So stay with me, Amy Muir's and the Power of Young People to Change the World. And make sure to check us out on social media at NYLCORG or find us at NYLC.org. So stay with us. We're going to be right back.
0: LC.org to learn more today. What's
2: the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live
0: Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. listening to the power of young people to change the world with Amy Muir's to find out more about Amy and the national youth leadership council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show.
1: So welcome back everyone. Um, in our final few minutes together today, um, I want to get some final reflections from you. Um, I wonder, so we've talked about the power of service learning. You've shared um, some amazing stories and how young people are taking action despite the pandemic because of the pandemic. Um, I'm wondering if you could share some advice for educators, teachers who want to get started with service learning in their schools. What would you, what would you recommend or what advice would you give?
2: Well, I guess uh, my first advice would be go ahead. Do so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, this is not, um, you know, an exact science. There isn't one right way to, to develop service learning projects. So my suggestion is go ahead, try it, and you will be able to improve it later on. But if you have the motivation and you have the will and you've heard about what service learning is, and if you haven't, well, uh, listen to, to Amy's uh, program or have a look at different publications that NYLC develops or that CLEIS develops uh, and go ahead. And then once you've done, connect with others who have been doing so, colleagues, mm-hmm. institutions, networks, uh, who you may learn from. Share your worries, share your joy uh, in the past. It's uh it's about doing together. It's a collective proposal in which, again, just like in the projects, we all have something to teach and we all have something to learn. So, it's a question of trying. Um, service learning projects are always great and they are always improvable. So, no matter how great it is when you start, you can surely improve it. And it's never too too bad, let's say. Um, I would say that the main suggestion is to start, and when you start, you'll surely find friends in the way uh, who will be able to help somehow. Absolutely,
1: I would. Um, <laughs> I keep thinking we should um, steal Nike's "Just Do It" tagline because that's really <laughs> that's it. that was that's just it, right? Just do it, just like with mm-hmm. what you said at the beginning. Just get started. And um, I think the only thing, I, if if I may, I would add on is that failure is part of the process. It's part of the learning and growth for each of us. And so um, I don't know that a service learning project ever truly fails because we're mm-hmm. always learning and growing and um, connecting and um, learning more, um, especially when things don't go the way we anticipate Absolutely. they will. <laughs>
2: You know the the project that I talked about before, the one of reforestation. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that I did not mention and that I always do is that this is a project with twenty years experience. So I tell you the the bright part. It's it hasn't been easy, not easy at all. Um, the first trees that were planted were robbed. Oh. They planted them in the forest and. Some people, with, I mean, either neighbors or tourists or something of the sort, but they were robbed. But again, there's, there's value in sustaining the actions. There is mm-hmm. value in keeping the processes going. So as I said before, it's a question of starting and it's a question of keeping it up. And one of the main ways, in my opinion, to keep it up is to meet with others and to create together. So um, these fantastic projects that we hear about, we tell the, the, the showable part, the part that needs <laughs> to be shown. But when you talk to real teachers, and that's what we did in the conference, they tell you the bright part, but they also tell you how hard it is. At yeah. times, it's hard to find someone who will help you. At times, the head of your school will not agree. At times, parents will make it difficult. At times, uh, you will feel it's too much uh, work. At times, the pandemic will come and will tell you, well, you were planning to go out to the field, you're not. <laughs> but you know what, when, as this makes sense, and this is motivation, I mean, as this motivates teachers and students, and as uh, it's purposeful, there's a reason why we are doing this, then mm-hmm. we find a way. Um, and that allows us then to, sh- to tell beautiful stories about all that went well. Yep. But it's important to know that all that goes well is supported by all that, that did not go that well, but it strengthened us and it helped us make stronger bonds and work better with others and get to know each other better. Absolutely. Kind of humble beginnings.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I want to make sure um, we have time to hear, are there any new initiatives um, that Kleiss is working on? Any new focus areas or anything that we should know about?
2: Well, uh, as I mentioned, we work on support programs, training. We publish, if, if you would like to have a look at our webpage. We have a lot of different publications that may be downloaded for free. Um, We do research, we do all kinds of things. So um, please have a look at our webpage. Uh, We have been working in Brazil, in Peru, in Mexico, in Uruguay, in Colombia, in Central and Eastern Europe. We have different programs. Um, One of our newest programs is called Uniservitate. We work with, with higher education in particular Catholic uh, universities. And that's being a a big challenge and a big um, opportunity to find the connections between service learning and spirituality, not only Catholic Mm -hmm. uh, spirituality, but spirituality in general. So I suggest that you have a look at that also. And we have a wonderful program of service learning in the arts also. Again, service learning is a means to improve education and to improve the world that we live in. Um, It may be used or applied in any discipline, in any area. It has to do with being convinced that we may change our world, that it is our responsibility to create a better place for all of us.
1: Beautifully said. Beautifully said. I just want to thank you so much for joining me today, for sharing your knowledge and your expertise with not only our listeners, but with me and for all the great work that you and Kleis are doing to support young people in their learning and leadership while they're transforming our global communities. It's truly remarkable work. And I'm just honored um, that NYLC is considered a partner, um, if you want to learn more about Kleiss or interested in learning more about the Ibero Americana Network meeting that we've talked about, check out Kleiss.org, C L A Y S S. Um, or you can email me at infoinfo I-N-F-O, at nylc.org and I'll make sure we get everybody connected. Um, We're going to be featuring guests from across Latin America and other networks on future episodes. So you haven't heard the last from Luce um, or from Kleiss. So I'm really excited um, that we're going to be engaging even that broader uh, service learning community, the world service learning community. Um, And speaking of friends, friends, I'm also going to have another great show next week, um, our friends from the Born This Way Foundation, which is the foundation co-founded by Lady Gaga and her mother, Cynthia. Um, we're going to have the advisory council, our advisory board members from Channel Kindness, Keely and Spencer. They're going to be sharing their inspiring stories and talking about the uh Uh, Be Be Kind 21 campaign, excuse me. Um, So I'm really excited to hear more about what they're doing and how they're using service learning to impact and create a kinder and braver world. So make sure, mark your calendars for Thursday at six o'clock Eastern. Again, Luz, thanks for being here. And please join us every week as we serve, learn, change the world. See you next week.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to The Power of Young People to Change the World. Your host, Amy Muirs will return for another program next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll serve, learn, change the world.